The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Want to scale your business or ministry, but finding that you're in your own way? You've probably been told just to push through your obstacles or something like that, but what if there was a different way? Today, we'll be discussing with Pierce Brantley how he used humility to overcome ego and fear while in a leadership position. Don't miss it. Welcome to Leaders Moment, brought to you by Vision Voice and FX Missions Podcasting. We encourage you to take this moment and use it to sharpen the saw of your leadership perspective and performance. We're bringing you interviews, stories, and more from leaders much like yourself who are taking action, learning, realizing potential, and getting results. Welcome. If you've ever struggled with growing your ministry or business, I think you're going to really appreciate what Pierce has to say. He's going to reveal a couple of opposing hurdles you might not have thought about and a simple framework to get past them. And it all starts with the H word. That's right. Humility. If you're listening from the website and you'd like to take this with you so that you can listen on the go, pop on over to leadersmoment.org slash follow or just click the link on one of the podcast app buttons on the website. Choose your favorite podcast app and you're off to the races. We have Apple, Google, Spotify linked up to make it easy for you. I want to mention before we get into this that if you've never heard from Pierce before, you're in for a treat. He's a wealth of knowledge and insight, and I think you'll walk away with something useful, if not transformative. Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm Scott, and you're not, but here we are with a guy who's been on the show before, and I'm super grateful to have him back, Pierce Brantley. Pierce, welcome. Scott, so glad to be here. So glad to be back on the show. I'm loving our conversation already, and I'm looking forward to jumping in even deeper. Man, thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, you've got your own cast. You guys, you've done it, a, you know, for some time. I want to just mention, I think I mentioned it before, but on your previous podcast with me, which we'll backlink here, your transparency, man, was thank you very, very much for how transparent you were. You know, some of our process in God's development of us, it can be a little raw. You know, I mean, it, it's got some, some of it is uh, bringing us from wherever we were into, you know, a new experience of God's goodness and grace. And I just really thought you did a great job and a very transparent one in sharing a lot of your life with us. So thank you for that. 
Well, thank you. It's funny, you know, this, this show is about leadership. And one of the things that I find becomes more and more true, the more and more I try and develop my own leadership skill set is that you know much less than you think you know, <laughs> and that is a really good thing. So if you start with a posture of humility, both towards God and towards people, that'll get you 90% of the way there. The 10% of solving the problem or getting to the goal is actually the easy part. It's actually having a posture that is going to be the forbearance of everything else. <laughs> well said, man. Well said. I recently read a quote. It said, education gives us an opportunity to be acquainted with our ignorance. <laughs> so that personal that. development, right? That. That personal development only makes you aware of the things you don't know. Humility should kick in there. We can't be proud about the little that we know. That's we right. need to be humble and continue to learn. Lifelong learning, such a pillar of leadership. Man, you have, since we talked, you published another volume, a tome, something a tome. from the inside that came out. <laughs> yes, not yes. my job, not your job. Not your job. Not it's your not, job. It's no, it's neither of ours job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Book number four, book number four. Super proud of it. Dude. Wow. I've been going on a, we keep talking about journey and what the first couple books were all about me trying to wrangle what it was like to work inside of big companies and make that digestible for everybody. And then after that, the Lord led me on this journey of walking with him in faith and in work which led to Power, Love, Sound, Mind, and Calling. And now this one comes out the other end and goes, okay, all right, well, if we have this really good foundation, and the book is for Christians and non-Christians, but if you have this really good foundation of knowing what you're about, knowing where you want to go, the next question is, how do you get people to go along with you and how do you trust them? Because for an entrepreneur, especially when the vision is inside of you, especially when you know where you want to go, especially when you have that special talent, that special thing, and all entrepreneurs have a special talent to see the future before it happens, I think, yes. and make it happen. Yeah. The question is, how are you going to expand that beyond yourself? Because you're not going to accomplish that vision. You're not going to see that vision come to fruition unless you move beyond yourself and that is the scary bridge that every entrepreneur has to cross if it's going to become possible. So not your job, it's in the name, talks about figuring out what you are not supposed to do so that you can see the most successes possible from those who want to come alongside you in this wonderful journey of entrepreneurship and living out what God has in store for us. Man, I've been right there with you for good and for bad. I mean, this is a key concept, I think. If the idea that's inside of us that we're in the process of manifesting into the environment is larger than a solo gig, you know, I remember back in the late, I guess it was late 80s, early 90s, there were a lot of corporate guys who were going solo. And I was intrigued by this because I was in a corporate situation somewhat at that time. And I was like thinking about going solo. I ended up going solo. I crash landed a few businesses, you know, you know, I, I survived the crash. Thankful for that. Some of it, I smell like smoke. I feel confident, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I went on in business, I realized there were some ideas that I had that I couldn't, I couldn't pull it all off myself. So it's one thing to be a leader and step out, take action. There's a role there. There's irreplaceable, but once you get some momentum, you get some progress, then you realize, Hey, 
unless I want to work 70 plus hours every week, this is not going to be something I can do solo. And hence your premise. How do we get to this point where we can kind of relate to the material that you've presented there and not your job? How does someone get to that point and what's the lead up? Absolutely. Well, it's so funny because you and I have worked in similar fields in the past, whether it be telecom or whether it be SaaS or UCAS or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think the parallel is true across the board that you kind of have to come to a decision point that are you going to buy yourself a job or are you going to build a business? And the funny thing about that is most of us are like, yeah, absolutely. I want to build a business. I am building a business, even if it's just me or just a few people, just me and a virtual assistant, whatever. The question is, how do I actually see the buzzword come to like fruition? Because, yeah, I want to scale. Yeah, I want to like lead people. Yeah, I want to have a small business and culture and all that kind of stuff. We want all those things. We know they're important. The question is, how do we get across the bridge? Well, we are the blocker to the bridge like 99% of the time of getting across that. And it comes down to two sort of I'm going to call them anti-values. And these two anti-values, we're all familiar with values, right? And building a corporation, building a business. Anti-values actually keep you from getting across that bridge. So the first anti-value is called the ego driver. And the ego driver says, I am the brand. I actually had a small business owner say this to me once in like a marketing thing. We couldn't figure out why they weren't executing. And they go, I am the brand, like emphatically. <laughs> and they had employees and they weren't a particularly egotistical person, but a mindset that said, if the business does not have me in the middle of it, it is going to fail. Like literally the whole creative aspirations, the whole th point around execution, everything around that is going to fail if I am not at the center of it. And a lot of us entrepreneurs, because the vision comes from us and it's supposed to come from us, we're the one with the gift, we're the one who can see the future and make it happen before it happens, walk into a business with that. And at the tipping point, at the point where it can't grow unless it gets some extra energy from other people, mm -hmm. then we have to let go of that ego driver. Otherwise, it's always going to be about us and it's ever going to grow beyond us because it's only about us. <laughs> the other driver and by the way that'll be really revealing from your vision because if you have some vision to help a bunch of people and then you're not ooh, there's something self-reflective that needs to happen because likely you're at the center of that even though your words may not say that mm. the other is the fear driver and this one is nefarious scott the fear driver says if i am not watching every single detail things are going to fall apart and this is, uh, by other language, this is referred to as micromanagement. And the micromanagement is the effect of the fear driver being really deeply rooted in the psyche of the entrepreneur. The fear driver basically says, it'll drum up completely like false narratives in your mind. It'll say, the employee is going to break something in the business. Someone's going to steal my IP. I'm going to go bankrupt. You lose the sleep factor. Basically, you're in bed at night thinking about everything that can go wrong because you don't see it. And we got to get to a point where we either get very good at trusting people so that the fear driver moves out of the way, or more specifically, what the book is about is walking you through the steps to systematically 
build that trust up through the power of a new approach to delegation so that you can trust people to work for you even when you're not around, therefore really seeing your business and your vision come to fruition. Man, I love what you call anti-values, right? So, but I think some of the egocentricity and then the fear centricity, they almost can pretend to be a value. You know, it seems like this, especially where it's deeply entrenched, this is a guiding principle, (laughs) you know, that a value is, except for it's on the dark side. Am I seeing that right? I think I'm hearing it right. You're seeing that exactly right. And it's so true because these are both subconscious, right? Until we call them out, until we see how they're actually sort of affect our world, we'll actually treat them as values. Why? Because, I mean, it, again, we're entrepreneurs, right? We're proud of what we do. We, we've got some hoops, but, and that's all a good thing. But once there's a sort of, it's not true, but there's sort of like this sort of belief that if you can't talk about you and your business in the same breath, then you feel like you're not providing value. It's almost kind of like, well, there's me, then there's a business. And so we like to center ourselves around what we're building because it gives us a sense of accomplishment. The reality is there is no accomplishment in isolation. Jesus talks about that. The Bible talks about that. But it's also, it's just true in general, right? So Mm -hmm. in the event that everything is coming back to you, either your fears or your sense of self, that is going to directly affect your ability to have impact in the world, your community, with your customers, uh, whatever it is you want to accomplish, big or small. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for clarifying that or sharpening it up for me, because I do see, for me, I'm, you know, I'm more concept oriented. So I think the concept oriented guys or gals or whoever might tend more toward the egocentricity. And then you have the detail-oriented or process-oriented folks. Their first trap might be, you know, the fear centricity. You know, these are fairly common. And I think, uh, you know, they apply to most of us who are trying to do something larger than ourselves. That's right. I'm really glad you're tackling this. Think about, a, if you will, a story or maybe something that happened in your own experience that made you realize, hey, you know, this is not just me. And furthermore, this is a subject worth unpacking with some deliberation. As an author, I know why people don't write books. <laughs> oh, it's hard. Yeah. Getting the right getting the stories, figuring out which stories to talk about and whether they're applicable, all that. Yeah. So we talked about the guy who saw himself as the brand, the person mm-hmm. who saw himself as the brand. Now, most entrepreneurs have a blend of both and they lean towards one, but The fear driver is the number one thing I think that happens when you are really good at a skill set, then you move into some kind of management or leadership, let's say in a corporate job or something, and then you realize, hey, I could do this myself or I could go and build something. Most of us don't build a business complete isolation. We have some background of experience that connects us to wanting to go build the thing. We saw a problem. We had experience with the problem, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I've seen this story play out a thousand different ways, but I remember working with an architect, a software architect. They'd gotten up to like the seed level, basically a seed level position. And up until that point, they were engineering, 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 and they were excellent at engineering. They were very smart. They had a great problem solving mentality. They knew technology really well. The time came for them 
to trust some other people to do the work because they had to be into that C-level type of work. And what happened was, so they brought some people in and then every single time the person they brought in who was very competent, very smart themselves, did the work, they would blast them when they weren't in the room and they're like, they did this completely wrong. You know, the way they implemented this was horrible. I'm going to have to, I kid you not, they said this on a regular basis. I'm going to have to go in and rewrite all their code so that everything doesn't fail. And they would do that. They would do that. So the person would leave, they would get done with the C-level job. And in the evenings, they would burn the midnight oil and they would go and recode all this person's work to fix the problems. It turned out, I started to see a pattern. I'm like, oh, they're coming back to this over and over and over again. What I realized after doing a little bit of investigative work is that they weren't connected to that person's work and therefore they didn't believe they're doing a good job. And therefore, because they weren't the ones doing it, they couldn't trust someone else to do it. And the problem self-perpetuates. And anytime as an entrepreneur, we have this background of knowledge that makes us an expert And then we use that expertise to go solve a problem in the marketplace. Eventually, we're going to have to duplicate ourselves or we're going to have to let someone else sit in the seat that is our expertise. Therefore, our identity is no longer in our expertise. Our identity is in the vision and the problem we're solving. You are no longer the expert. You are the person that brings in the experts and experts want to come and work with you. Because you are the person with the vision who can attack the problem. That's what attracts the experts to begin with. So we have to detach our expertise from our business, but we have to align with the vision, the problem we're solving. If we don't do that, then it doesn't matter how good someone is. Mm. We're never going to let them succeed and therefore we're not going to let our business succeed. And so the fear driver in this story is really commonplace when you have a background of, of expertise in a problem and you think that's actually what's actually going to make things move forward. It's not your headspace towards your vision and some of the greater things you're wanting to going to do is, is what does it. But that's a really hard thing to come to terms with. It's painful. It's really, really painful, but you're going on to higher things. Yes. I can relate directly to that example in my business. I guess we're celebrating 22 years this year. So we've been through a few stages. The industry that I'm in, as you know, is very fluid. You know, It has changed. I mean, it's the third industry I've been in, and I've been in the same company. <laughs> the industry has completely changed, did a couple of revolutions. Yeah, I know. Not many people got to stay on the horse. I consider myself very fortunate to have stayed on the horse. You know, having expertise and being expert Part of that idea or concept, you kind of have to believe nobody's going to be as good as this as I am, or I am the final stop for something that doesn't work or needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, I remember when some new guys joined what I was doing, you know, we had a problem, something like that. I went out and I said, hey, okay, you know, have you checked this, 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 you know, top five things I rattled them off. And they just ran past me with all these examples of everything they'd done. And the, yeah, plus we tried these things. I was like, oh, no. Mm. And it was at that moment I realized, okay, I don't have to be the expert. I'm not, clearly not the expert here. They need to ask me or they need to refer to me if they have some questions that are stumping them. But I, at this point, can rest assured that these guys are operating a level of expertise that I myself can't demonstrate. 
you can't be working in the business and the guy who's working on the business. That's absolutely right. That, for me, that was a critical day to your point and to your example of getting stuck or finding out, hey, I don't need to be stuck here. These guys know what they're doing. They're solving problems I can't even see. That's right. Unless we make people know that they're free to demonstrate and go on beyond us from an expertise standpoint, we're really holding ourselves and all of us back. That's exactly right. I love that you shared that. So there's actually a framework to get people to that point and to get us away from the process. Before we get into that, though, just because we're buddies in terms of the worlds we've been in, at least in the past, and I know those evolutions, one of my favorite stories that I love to bring up when it comes to this stuff is the whole idea of like the lone CEO or the lone inventor or the lone like idea creator is it's with Steve Jobs. Yes. So I can't tell you how many times across my career, especially in building uh, massive, massive software platforms or working with telecommunications companies where someone drops to the fact they're like, well, we don't need to do any of that. When Steve Jobs created the iPhone, and they always go, when Steve Jobs created the iPhone, he didn't ask people what they wanted. He knew what it was, what he knew. he had a vision of the future and he just created it and boom, out came an iPhone. I cringe every single time I hear that story because it's become a myth basically, and it is a myth. So Steve Jobs hated cell phones. He thought they were pocket protectors. He thought no one was going to use them. And he thought Palm Pilots had come and gone. He right. basically thought there was no market for it whatsoever. He'd bank big on the iPod and everything else, but then the iPod was failing. And someone along with, I think it was Johnny Ives, who was his designer, there was one other person was like, hey, Steve, like, we really need to go create iPhones. Pure Steve Jobs style, he was like, absolutely not. We're not creating cell phones. We're not getting into bed with Verizon and AT&T or Apple. We have a closed ecosystem, which was, by the way, that was part of his vision. That was part of his leadership was understanding what they were going after. And he had no worldview for anything that related to smartphones. He hated it. He just couldn't stand it. They tried something with Nokia and it didn't work out. Finally, 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 one person was like, hey, listen, Steve, and you know, they did this with like trepidation and, the, and fear in the voice. <laughs> they were like, we got to try it. We got to try it. They debate for hours, Scott, hours and hours and hours. And finally, this person, probably getting beat up along the way, convinced them to go and try it. And so they put Wi-Fi in like a SIM card and an iPod and did a proof of concept and it worked. Point of the story is he had a vision for what Apple should be. He had no vision for implementation from product from a services standpoint, but he trusted the expertise of other people. And now with his keynote, what does he do? He holds it up and Apple's created the most amazing thing, whatever. But he had very little to do with it and actually hated the idea for it. And people had to pull his teeth to get him to do it. Wow. Why do I say that? Well, he learned that Apple's vision of connecting the world and having the closed ecosystem and having everything connect with everything else they did, mm -hmm. that this could fit that. Therefore, I will trust the other people. So he was sitting in the seat of CEO, a visionary, and understood that his people understood how to help him execute the vision of Apple. And so he let them go do it. Mm. So when we want to do that for ourselves, there's a framework and Not Your Job talks about that framework. Once we're in the leader's seat, once we understand we can get away from the ego driver and the fear driver, once we understand we can trust our people, the question is, 
how do we trust our people in a way that actually stewards the business well, helps us bring people in systematically in a way that will help us move forward incrementally without just tanking everything and without us losing sleep at night. So it's something called the elevator effect. The elevator effect is a new approach to delegation that leverages your leadership and your vision's unique vision of your business in a systematic way. And we call it the elevator effect because it helps you and the employees move up the floor systematically, get visibility along the way. And the best part is you can go to whatever floor you want to as quickly as you want or don't want to. Mm -hmm. So the first floor is, actually, I'll go through all four floors real quickly, then we'll unpack them. First floor is know what I know. Second floor is do what I do. Third floor is show what you know. The third floor is tell what you do. So know what I know. This is ground level. This is ground zero, Scott. I know what I know. I'm bringing someone in and saying, hey, listen, you can't do anything until you know what I know. If you're familiar with like Maxwell's Law of the Lit or something like that, this is the lowest level of leadership. What you're saying is, hey, listen, I need to tell you why our company is important. I need to tell you why your job is important. We need to unpack the who I win of the business. We need to unpack history and how your role is involved and everything else. This is information, knowledge, transfer, download. Get someone equipped with the vision and why the business is there to begin with and get them comfortable with just being in the company, right? That's first step of you letting go of your ego and first step of letting go of your fear. Once you've done that, you can go to show what you do and show what you do is you modeling either through shadowing or through training how someone works in this new thing called your business. They have context for culture, they have context for vision, and they understand how the role fits within that. And you are downloading to them your expertise because now you're multiplying yourself, right? So now you're two steps away from the work. The next is show what you do, which is where you take one step back. That's the floor number three. At this level, you have started to implement reporting systems and you've started to trust them to do the work. And now the only thing you're concerned about is what are the key outcomes that I care about that show that someone is doing their work correctly? I don't care what you did at 4.30 in the afternoon on a Wednesday. I don't care whether you had five client calls or 10 client calls. This is really painful sometimes for entrepreneurs. Those details are none of your business. It's not your job. You don't care. It's not important to you. In fact, I would say you have no business knowing those things. What you care about are the specific things that tell you the, the needle has moved. So that seems like leading and lagging indicators. That's like things like KPIs, things that probably everyone on the show is, is aware of. That's all you care about because that tells you whether the meaningful things are happening or not. Right. That's third floor. Fourth floor is tell what you do. So at this point, that person is telling you what they know. They are literally the experts in your business, therefore making your business the expert in the industry. So now you have raised somebody up. They are in a position to tell you what's going on. And they're in a position to now start the process all over again and multiply themselves, which is how really good teams get made. So when you go through each one of these steps, line upon line, precept upon precept, you raise somebody up and you remove yourself from the business, knowing very full well that everything is getting done the way it should be doing. And this is literally how you scale in a systematic way. Wow, man. I know the simplicity that you boiled that down to 
there was a lot of unpacking in your process and, and you know rehashing and relooking and re- reworking. But anytime you can get simplicity that contains wisdom inside of it, that's grace from God. You know, God gave you grace to see these things as they were. You had a whole bunch of experiences, probably a lot of both sides of and types of experiences that brought you to that place. The quote that comes to mind for me is success without a successor is failure. And I think if you're equipping your people in the way that your model describes, then you put yourself in a position that somebody else can really elevate you to another level. You could do it again. You could make it bigger. You could do it somewhere else. Basically, everybody's freed up and empowered to do whatever the next steps are. Am I reading that right? Am I seeing it right? That's, I mean, I love that quote uh, about successors. That's brilliant. And it's absolutely true. If you want to build anything of impact, anything of meaning, it's going to be dependent on you having a succession plan. And that starts with multiplication, just like a cell. And it goes on from there. And you should plan for that intentionally so that it can happen organically. Well said, man. Very well said. Plan for this process intentionally so that it can happen organically. Very well said. Pierce, just wrapping up here, man, where can we find more information about what you've just produced? Again, thank you for your diligence. I know writing books is, uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason people don't do it. And, you know, thank you for everything it took to get this book out of you and on paper and available to folks. Where can we find it? And if we want more of a deep dive on this subject, where should we go? Absolutely. So you can go to piercebrantley.co to learn more about what I'm doing. And you can learn more about the book and there's some great blogs and stuff like there too. You can find me on Facebook, Not Your Job is available on Amazon, pretty much anywhere books are sold. I go get it there. It's also packed full of free downloads, templates, done for you things that will help you get all of this stuff on the paper and systematize super, super fast, comes free with the book, free downloads. You're going to love them. Man, thank you. Thank you for equipping us to be better at what we do and to represent uh, the creator in our creativity, man. Blessings to you. Pierce, thanks for being here. We talk again soon. And, and thanks for again for doing your part to get us all to the next steps. Scott, thanks so much for having me. I had a blast. Same, man, same. One more time, we would like to say thanks to Pierce so much for sharing with us. Please do go check out his book, Not Your Job. We have the Amazon link there for you in the show notes, tap, swipe, or click to get there. I really appreciate Pierce, especially his sharing about the importance of humility, as well as his elevator effect framework, which he developed. That's some cool stuff, and it took a lot of work to get to that point of clarity. I'd love to know what you took away from this as well. Please shoot me an email at scott at fxmissions.com and let me know your thoughts and your takeaways. And be sure to come back next time when we're going to flip the script and I'll be sitting in the hot seat with a surprise guest host. Can you guess who it might be? Thank you for being a part of the Leaders Moment podcast. We also want to say thanks to Vision Voice, our sponsor, and encourage you to check out their website at visionvoice.us. Also, if you haven't already, please visit leadersmoment.org slash follow to have this podcast and future ones delivered to your favorite podcast app every time we publish. 
Thanks again.